Welcome to the albums that saved us. This week, my punk rock journey. It's not a history of punk per se, but it's my journey, so it's personal. It's not going to be perfect, um, but it's from my perspective. The interesting thing is I'm largely running unscripted now, but the big change is I can now include snippets of music in the podcast. Very, very exciting. So in the early 80s, I really liked metal, heavy metal, rock, and new wave. I lived in Southern California in Barstow and Vista. So you'd know Barstow if you've ever been to Vegas, if you've driven out there. That's where you stop on the way to go to the bathroom or have lunch at what used to be the biggest McDonald's in the world. Then I lived in Vista, which was in North County, San Diego. So... Interestingly, in Barstow, the cool kids were into heavy metal. And then in Vista, the cool kids were into new wave or alternative music. So, you know, earlier on, I'd gotten into bands like Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Dio, Motley Crue, and similar bands. But the lyrics were always a little lowbrow for me. Cars, sex, stuff I didn't really know about at the time. And I never really was a big fan of crazy guitar solos, to tell the truth. I liked fast, heavy music. The faster, the heavier, the better. And I liked to understand lyrics. Now, Metallica came along and really got me interested in their sound and their speed and thrash. But again, guitar solos. The first punk I probably heard was a band called The Dead Milkmen. A friend gave me a copy of the album Big Lizard in My Backyard, basically because it was funny. And then from there, I discovered a punk band called Fear and the album More Beer. After Fear, a friend turned me on to a little band called The Dead Kennedys and an album called In God We Trust Incorporated, which really changed my, changed my view of punk and my punk landscape. I knew of it as fast, funny music, but this was really next-level stuff. So the album In God We Trust Incorporated by the Dead Kennedys was basically 20-something minutes of blistering speed, anger, but with a message. Political, human rights, think for yourself, question authority. I liked it. Around the same time as the Dead Kennedys, I also got into agnostic front of it. So, you know, definitely hardcore, definitely fast, definitely loud. But the thing about Agnostic Front was kind of the cookie monster lyrics that you really couldn't understand. So I like fast, heavy music, but I want to hear the lyrics. Now, from there, I started going back. So at school, we would talk about bands and we'd talk about punk rock. And a lot of the influence was from friends in school. So it would be like, okay, you like Fear More Beer? Go back to the record. It's a better album. It's a little more, uh, you know, a little more serious go back to some of the roots, go back to the Sex Pistols, the Clash, and the Ramones. So, of course, that stuff's amazing on its own, but in the context of its time, it would have been unbelievable. The Sex Pistols and Clash blew me away, and the Ramones, thinking of them again in the context of their time and how there'd been nothing like that before them. I'd heard of the Clash on MTV. They'd put out Combat Rock and had a couple of hits, and that's what really kind of grabbed me for them seeing the videos on MTV, especially Rock the Casbah, where they whipped the hat off and one of the dudes had a mohawk. When I was a little kid, that blew me away. 
then the California punk scene came along for me. I believe punk started with the Ramones, but obviously, you know, with much earlier bands like the MC5, the Stooges, Iggy Pop, even, you know, arguably back with Rockabilly, Johnny Cash, Elvis, Little Richard, Jerry Lee Lewis, and the Pioneers. If it wasn't for those guys, the first real punk rockers, there would have never been modern punk. And, you know, other New York bands contributed as well to the scene from CVGB, Max's Kansas City. But, you know, punk definitely has roots that go way back. But you can't overlook SoCal punk rock. And that's where I was from. And I was in SoCal. And obviously I couldn't go to the shows at the time, but I was there. I'd heard about it. It was going on. But, you know, Los Angeles, Orange County, etc. Bands like Fear... X, The Germs, Black Flag, Circle Jerks, TSOL, Agent Orange, and bands like, of course, Social Distortion, Cadillac Tramps, Los Lobos, X, The Blasters. And the interesting thing about SoCal punk rock versus New York or even English punk rock and all the other stuff was it had its own kind of uh, a lot of Americana sound, very American type of sound. I even, you know, bleeding over into that rockabilly, definitely taking those influences to the forefront. But a lot of those bands were very American bands with an Americana feel. And then, of course, no discussion of punk rock is complete without the ladies of punk rock. Obviously, Debbie Harry of Blondie from New York City, but then also Exene from X out on the West Coast. And the Go-Go's and the Bengals started out as punk rock bands, definitely went more mainstream and pop but especially the Go-Go's started out as a punk band. And then no discussion of rock or punk is complete without referencing the Runaways. And then obviously from there, Joan Jett, who really flew the flag for the Runaways after they went away. But so influential in, you know, not only SoCal punk, but punk overall. And my punk journey, it was interesting for me because in high school, you didn't really advertise you listened to punk. A lot of people did, but most kids at my high school, like I said, listened to New Wave or Alternative, and there were the metal kids too, and some crossover there. But, you know, from from there, at the end of high school, I was just getting into punk. And at that time, a lot of punk rock movies had come out, and kind of, you know, were coming out on video and getting some notice. So we're talking about movies like the decline and fall of Western civilization, which was about the LA punk scene in the early eighties, um, repo man, suburbia. And these kind of told the story too, but, um, you know, a good exposure to me, uh, great soundtracks, getting exposure to some of these bands, seeing the scene, feeling the scene, you know, that I couldn't be a part of because of my age. So obviously in SoCal, you've also got surf and skate, which really got, especially skate really kind of got, integrated into punk rock. So a lot of the skaters I knew listened to punk rock. So used to be punk was skate music. So there was a lot of crossover. I never skated, but I knew a lot of skaters who listened to punk rock. So bands like Suicidal Tendencies and of course, you know, all the other SoCal punk bands and hardcore and thrash and bands like DRI, things like that, Black Flag. Um, It's interesting, my son skates, so now he listens to hip hop, but back in the day was punk rock, hardcore, rash and you know socal 
was so influential in skateboarding evolving like it did with all the guys from SoCal, from like the, you know, the LA area, the Dogtown Z-Boys guys, and just kind of taking surf moves and putting them, you know, to skateboarding and then, you know, tying it into more of a culture and more of a scene and tied into music and, you know, the drought of the early eighties and draining pools and skating in pools and things like that. But that was all tied into, you know, punk rock as well. And interestingly, you know, in the nineties, I saw a lot of the, a lot of the older punk bands live. So was lucky enough to see Fear, Bad Religion, X, The Cramps, The Ramones, Social D many times, and, you know, the crazy K-Rock did a 20 years of punk sponsored by Levi's show, but, you know, a lot of the great punk bands were there. It turned out to be a horrible, you know, experience overall, but it was great to see some of those bands. And then, you know, what was interesting for me was the closest my friends and I got to being a part of that scene was the San Diego scene in the mid nineties. So you had a lot of great bands and it was very, very punk oriented, but you had a lot of amazing bands at the time. And it started small clubs like the Casbah and Bodies and other places and bands like rocket from the crypt fluff, Lucy's fur coat, um, uncle Joe's big old driver drip tank and more, but you know, a great scene of bands and that just kind of exploded after a mention in spin magazine, you know, after the growth of grunge in Seattle, somebody said, well, maybe San Diego is the next big next Seattle. So had an influx of bands from LA and it kind of really convoluted and killed the scene. But that was the closest I got to being part of a punk rock scene going to these clubs, getting to know some of the bands, hanging out with them, you know, talking to them before they play and then talking to them after they play. But being in that experience of all these bands, knowing each other, playing together and playing at these cool little clubs. And then in, you know, the early to midish 90s, you know, grunge had come along as well. So sub pop bands, bands like Pearl Jam, bands like Nirvana, bands like Alice in Chains, Soundgarden. They came along and, you know, Mother Love Bone and Tad. But these bands came along from Seattle and, you know, they started to get big. They started to get noticed. Nirvana obviously got huge. But what happened was it was interesting that in radio and MTV, when they still showed videos, this kind of pushed things to where alternative music got some notice and then punk started to see a resurgence kind of based around this as well. So then, you know, you see bands like, um, you know, who'd been around for a bit, but a band like Green Day who comes along and suddenly they get signed to a major label and they've got a huge album and huge hits. And that really, you know, that mid nineties really, really, uh, you know, brought punk to the forefront and made it much more mainstream, made it, you know, safer than it ever was. And, you know, pop punk came along bands like blink 182 from San Diego bands like the offspring, um, you know, so many others and just got more prominent. And then, you know, the hot topics came into the malls. It's like, so used to be, if you need to get a punk rock shirt or something like that, or a leather jacket, biker jacket, you go down to the head shop downtown, but now you could go do it in the, in the, you know, the, the safe, hermetically sealed <laughs> environment of the hot topic in the mall. And you can get an orange Julius and a pretzel at the same time. But, you know, it's interesting. So punk became more mainstream in the nineties, you know, 
again with bands like Green Day. So where, what now? I mean, we've still got punk. People still listen to punk. You'll see your friends with their 90s punk rock, pop punk set lists on Spotify. And there's the old guys who listen to old stuff like me. And I mean, so many bands I didn't even mention, like GBH, Stiff Little Fingers, The Damned. Um, you know, the list goes on. I was just mentioning the main bands that I was into, but, you know, a lot of others, some of the older bands I discovered along the way and got to see live. So that was great. But, you know, what now? What's punk now? It's very mainstream. Um, you know, it's just like anything that goes mainstream. It's Everything's been done already, but, you know, I think punk is more than just music. It's an attitude. You know, for some people it was a lifestyle. For some people it is a lifestyle. But kind of when you grow up with it, um, you know, like some of my friends and I did, it, you know, becomes um, kind of ingrained in you to a point. So you get a very DIY uh, way of doing things. And, you know, it, it's interesting with things that come along like the Internet or things like that that, you know, give you the means to do so much, but in that kind of do it yourself, uh, attitude, that scrappiness way of thinking. And, you know, even if it's not a part of your daily life, it really comes into you. So, you know, I still know a lot of punks used to be punks, but now they're, you know, computer programmers or they work in politics or they work in marketing or they do this. And these, you know, like we still listen to the music, we still wear the shirts, but you know, under that, um, or that suit or that buttoned up shirt, there might be a black flag shirt as well. You never know. There could be some punk rock tattoos under that, uh, that button up shirt or that polo. You never know. So that's my take on punk rock, my punk rock journey, you know, personal to me, like I said, not perfect bumps along the way. Um, maybe started a little late. I don't know, but you know, reach out something to add, disagree with me or whatever. Let's talk about it. As always, thanks for listening to albums that saved us. And thanks to Anchor for helping me get started. Visit my sponsors. If you want to donate to help the cause, maybe I can buy a record or something. Special shout out to my old dear punk rock friend, Christine Beard Fernandez, who is uh, the administrator of the School for Wayward Girls and a supporter of albums that saved us. Find me across, you know, the socials at hashtag albums that saved us. Email me albums that saved us at gmail.com. Feedback, criticism, ideas, albums, or bands you want to talk about, questions, things like that. Join the conversation at facebook.com slash albums that saved us podcast. Facebook group as well. Albums that saved us podcast. On Twitter, if you are so inclined, twitter.com slash albums that saved. Instagram, albums that saved us. Even on TikTok now and again, albums that saved us. On YouTube at albums that saved us. I don't really do anything on there, but I might. If you have any album suggestions, bands you want to talk about, let me know. I typically don't know what's coming up next because I usually haven't decided. If you like albums that saved us, please spread the word. Share the links, tell some friends, call in, leave a comment or question, shoot me an email. Let's talk on the socials. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.